Welcome and happy Friday. It's Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I am here in the Condé Nast Podcast Studios with Barbara Peterson, who's with us by Skype. She is a contributor for the site and for the magazine. We have also Sebastian Modak, David Jeffries, and Andrea Whittle, who's a podcast newbie. And they are all editors with Traveler, so they're all on the home team. And my name is Brad Rickman. I'm not forgetting to say that anymore. I wrote it down. And we are going to talk this week about airports and the bad things that happen in them. And when Meredith, who's one of our producers and, and a familiar voice on the podcast, sent around the notice for this, she said, you have cried in an airport, admit it. And so I think our theme here is just even we who are on the inside of the business, even those of us who do this for a living and have done it a lot and supposedly know all the secrets, get brought to tears, get beat down by air travel. So we're here to sympathize with you, empathize with you, talk about some of the kinds of things that have happened to us and that have happened in the world recently, and also to try to provide a light in the darkness and help you figure out what you can do to avoid these things or what to do about them when they happen and you can't avoid them. So this is in part prompted by a couple of very nefarious incidents that have happened recently. Seb, you've covered some of this stuff. We've covered it on the site. What are a couple of the things that have happened on airplanes and in airports recently? I mean, it's hard to decide whether to start from like the beginning of it or the most recent, but I guess we can start most Work recent backwards. and go backwards. <laughs> Last night, there was an incident that went viral because someone filmed it on their phone, you know, as things go, where essentially the check-in area at Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International Airport, the Spirit Airlines check-in area turned into Lord of the Flies momentarily <laughs> as uh, frustrated passengers took out their frustration physically and it just amounted to... Mostly an, female. Yeah, one amounted to an all-out brawl between... Against each other? Against mm -hmm. each other. There was Spirit employees involved and then the Broward <laughs> County Sheriff's Office was brought in to, to break it up. I think the latest I saw was three people were arrested for disorderly conduct. But all of this was basically because of a more, I won't say long-term, but medium-term thing where over the past week, Spirit Airlines has seen upwards of 300 cancellations. Over, what's going on? Do we know what's going on? Yes. Uh, and Barbara, feel free to chime in here. But my understanding is that uh, about a week ago or a little over a week ago, Spirit Airlines released their quarterly financial report. And the pilots union saw that they had made all this money. They were making, you know, the net profits in 30-something million dollars. And despite that, pilots were not happy that their contracts hadn't been changed in seven years or something, even though they've been arguing for them to be changed for about two years. So they are not on strike, right, Barbara? You want to talk about that, that mess up? <laughs> well, what are the pilots well, doing? I think it's what we call a semantical distinction here, where basically they're not officially on strike. They are just kind of um, slowing down. And I, I guess you call it a more insidious way of not doing your job. And the, you know, the ultimate uh, result of that is that it screws up the flight schedules and people are delayed and canceled. And this has been going on, you know, day after day. I believe, though, there was some late breaking news and, um, today that pilots were ordered essentially to go back to work and to live up to that spirit of that agreement, not the letter of it. And, and I believe this just came out this afternoon. So um, mm. that, that's a judicial order. So they, you know, that's not going to be so easy to ignore. But it's just, you know, it, I think this is really tapping into this whole sort of 
anger that's been bubbling up. And it goes a lot of different ways. I mean, it's the crews are really angry. They're frustrated. They're not getting the benefits that they thought they would of this huge profit surge that the airlines have had. So they're angry. The passengers are angry. Everybody's taking it out on everybody else. Yeah, that's very true. Do you remember a couple of years ago, the Southwest flight attendant who just had it? And open the emergency door <laughs> yeah, down the slide. That was so that was, innocent in comparison. Blue, yeah. Oh, Jeff Blue, you're right. Yes. Didn't he like crack open a beer on the way yeah, down? Yeah, there was too. a beer involved. Yeah. In a, like, it was a real like hurrah. Yeah. I'm out of here. He delivered a speech, like an emphatic speech. Yeah. Cracked open a, a tall boy and yeah. jumped. See, that's the a slide. great example of a, a tried and true professional within the industry losing it, mm-hmm. crying, but like, finally needless, crying. Needless to say, the Spirit Airlines situation has meant. Lots of tears at airports. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading local news reports of you know people who were missing their kids' college graduations because of this. Um, there was you know a lot of Twitter posts, people taking video at the airport of check-in lines that literally extended out the door of the terminal and up the curb of people trying to wait to rebook or figure out what the hell was going on because. You know, it's worth mentioning that this is all happening at Spirit Airlines, which already isn't yeah, quite known for its customer right, service. Right. And one quick aside that we should mention, in case you think you've fallen into like a time warp or something, when we're referring to this afternoon and today, we should point out that we do pre-record these podcasts. And yeah. it's, we're talking about Tuesday, not it's Friday Tuesday, when yeah. you're hearing this. Yeah, it's Tuesday. But happy Friday anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this will be old news. But Spirit is not the only airline that has had trouble lately. One of the biggest stories in the last month was this story of the of the doctor who got dragged off the plane, which was a United plane. Anybody want to remind us what that story was about? Barbara? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Do I, I, will, yeah, I will attempt to condense this into something that won't take up the entire podcast, okay? so Because it is incredibly complicated. It is, I mean, it, it basically started out when there was an oversold flight, and... The airline, um, except we should also point out that was United Express, which Mm -hmm. actually does matter because it wasn't even technically a United plane or United employees. It was Republic Airlines, a contractor. So that, you know, that gets into a whole other thing. They're they're outsourcing a lot of this. But brand management, United definitely owned this problem. They did. And, and, you know, I guess to their credit, if you have to give them credit for something they did right, at least they didn't try to duck that and say, oh, no, no, it was the other guy. No, they, they owned up to the fact it was their problem. But what happened was they were trying to board a flight. It was the last flight out that night from Chicago to Lexington, Kentucky. People were already getting on the plane, and they realized they had a problem. They had too many people who they, you know, were getting on the plane and not enough seats. So normally in a situation like that, they would start asking for volunteers, and they would do it well before they boarded the plane. So that was mm-hmm. mis- huge mistake number one. Then for some incomprehensible reason, everybody got on the plane, and it wasn't a big plane. Remember, this is a regional plane. So they didn't have a lot of leeway in that. It was like 70 seats or there, you know, more or less. So they decided when they couldn't get enough volunteers to accept $800 to get off because after all, it was the last night, you know, flight. And, and a Sunday. You know, you could, yes. Then they decided to pick people to be involuntarily <laughs> removed, bumped, as, as you will. So, a highly unusual move. 
Yes. And, right? Um, well, it is. No, these no. There are fewer and fewer people who are actually involuntarily denied boarding, which is the phrase the the industry uses. It's, uh, <laughs> yes, especially is, after you know, they've already boarded. Yeah, right? he oh. wasn't so much denied boarding as he had boarding retracted after it had un- yeah. unboarded. He was unboarded. unboarded. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Re- oh, United came up with this great euphemism for reaccommodate. Re- yeah. <laughs> yeah, like from that the, is just from the yeah, chair. The to the aisle. <laughs> Precisely. But, you know, technically, though, legally, in the way the airlines write these contracts of carriage, which, you know, apparently you've entered into a contract when you buy an airline ticket, the way they write them is they give themselves a lot of power in these situations. So that while it may seem logical that once you've taken your seat on the plane, you are in a different category than someone who's out at the gate, you know, when they're still, it's actually legally, it's still a boarding process and they Mm. can involuntarily deny you boarding, even though you're already on the plane. Now, the problem is, is that some people really need to get to their destination and they don't have a system that's set up to take individual circumstances into account. What they did was just go through the usual, it's basically an algorithm. It decides, okay, looks at everybody on the plane, takes the people who paid the lowest fare, who checked in at the last minute, though at that point they were already on the plane, and and looks at other factors, which they won't reveal, but probably frequent flyer status, you know, counts for something. And then it will go to effectively the bottom of the food chain and start removing them. I, I just, mean, the people. I, but isn't this I feel totally like it, rational. Yeah, I feel like number one should be on the plane or not on the plane, and everybody who's not on the plane gets to the top of the list. Well, the problem was though that they had already gotten everybody on the plane, and uh, then they had the four. Okay, except this, the guy, you know, the person who was going to get his seat, right? Crew members. Well, this is where it gets even more interesting. This was not your normal thing of having too many paying passengers, not enough seats. This was they had four employees, and they were not employees traveling on an employee pass. They were actually working. They were considered what they called deadheading. Yeah, Yeah, deadheading. They were getting to their next place where they would then be working on a flight. So I guess the airline's rationale as well, if they didn't make that flight, then maybe four flights the next day might have to be. Um, See, that's where the rationale breaks down for me, though, because I feel like it should be the company that says, you know what, we'll figure out what to do with our employees because our customers come, come first. Mm-hmm. Put them on a competitor's <laughs> flight, do something, rent a car. Like- well, there yeah. weren't any. Uh, yeah. Well, see, you know, we're talking about a small market, you know, mm-hmm. Chicago to Louisville. It's not like Chicago to New York. Right. So there were no options, apparently, at the time. Oh, look, and nobody's, I'm oh, not except, defending, yeah. I hope you don't understand that, that. I mean, please don't take this like I'm defending this. I'm just <laughs> explaining. I mean, it can sound like that sometimes, but I'm just trying to tell you what their mindset is. It might help but, us understand these. They're the ones who probably are going to have to, like, go through, you know, full-blown therapy or something to get over this. Because it's, no, because I think what happened was the airlines just got stuck in this whole rigidity of their rules and their stuff. Okay, one of the rules which they actually really can't get around is crew rest time that's a federal rule it's enforced by the faa so the other rationale there is somebody said well why don't you just give them a car they could have driven to louisville in five hours totally then they'd be violating the minimum crew rest time between mm-hmm. flights. And then if they do that, they're effectively grounded. And then you've got the whole, you know, circular reasoning here. You know, then how many more flights? You know, the whole thing is just that the airlines have gotten into this nightmare situation because they ha- are flying too many planes 
at capacity. They do overbook all the time, assuming that a few people will be no-shows, and often they don't, you know, calculate it right. Or they did it just up to the wire there. You know, if those four crew members hadn't shown up at the last minute, which apparently is what happened, apparently their other flight to Louisville got canceled. So then you have that problem, too. What if a flight's canceled? Then all these people are running to find space wherever they can. And so the airlines, their back is up against the wall. They have to do something about this because this is... Well, so, I mean, back, backing it away from this particular incident, and I do think this is, I'm sure for many people, including those of us here, you know, we've all probably been in situations where flights were overbooked and were delayed or, or at least went through a process where, whereby they're asking for volunteers to take seats. And my, my reaction in that it's one of the most common causes, I would think, of tears in the airport. And in the wake of this, United promised that they would no longer overbook flights. And I guess my question there is, and always is as a passenger, just to take the point of view of a passenger, how is this okay? Like if this happened at Yankee Stadium, right? Like if they sold two people the same seat, you'd have a lawsuit on your hands. How is this practice okay? And how can you insulate yourself from it as a passenger? If you're a passenger and you buy a seat on an airplane, how can you prevent yourself from being the guy who got his head bashed, his teeth knocked out, whatever. I mean, granted, that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, how can you avoid being the person who runs out of options at the gate because of an oversold situation? Is, is there any defense against this, Barbara? Well, I think right now what we have to do is just say, let's hold the airlines to their promises, which, of course, they've come out with after this thing happened. And, and yes, you, you, know, you bring up the other thing, which is this horrible, violent scene that happened. They've promised basically to stop doing any of those things that led to this. Now, calling the police to remove somebody is a very rare thing anyway. So, But as far as the oversales thing, what they're going to have to do, and what if they had just been able to do this, none of this would have happened in that awful flight, was just be able to increase the offers to get people to voluntarily right. give oh up their God. seats. That seems and so easy. Could, yes, yes. Well, except that they had the standard operating procedure, which is what all employees have sitting there, you know, next to them, you know, they look it up and they don't, you know, if they don't want to run afoul of X and they could, their job is on the line. So no, the airlines are now, I believe, going to go more to a real auction system, which is basically they have to keep on upping the offer until they get a taker. Good. And they've said, now get this, they've said they will go up to $10,000. What they're saying is that's the upper limit which replaces the previous limit, which was a little bit over $1,000. So, you know, you're talking about a tenfold increase in potential. I mean, I think, frankly, I'm going to go around and try to book the most overbooked flights I can find. You know, <laughs> and it did. And that, that happened that with that woman happen. with yeah, the family. That happened with uh, someone who was flying Delta during the, this disastrous week of thunderstorms where there were 3,500 flights, Delta flights that were either canceled or delayed. And she was on a trip that was going to take her across like three different flights around the continent that were all overbooked because of delays and cancellations of people moving their flights, and she gave up all of them. Mm -hmm. and on, walked, on consecutive days. On she consecutive kept trying days. and trying and trying and, to, and accepting offers. And so she walked away out of that with $11,000. Nice. I, this the is, free market at work. This has happened to me a number of times, especially you know in my college days. I'd be traveling, and they'd be like, does anyone want to give up their seat for $100? And I'd mm -hmm. be like, me. <laughs> Take me. Uh, I'll get on another Beer one. Beer money. Care. Yeah, exactly. So when they're now talking about five figures, I guess the PR nightmare of this 
has lost them more money in the long term than giving a few $10,000 checks would. But oh, the consultants that you call in in a situation like this to do damage control are getting an hourly rate of $10,000. Not to mention the hit on their just, share prices. Yeah, forget else. about the, yeah. the market cap loss. I mean, I, I think that week was a very bad week for United because every single publication from all the travel publications like us to like the New Yorker, published a piece about how bad United was. I mean, it was just, it was not a good PR week for them. But maybe the upside is, like we're saying, it's all happened to us. Maybe sometimes it's led to tears or close to tears. But now that problem really is in the limelight because of this high-profile incident. And airlines are responding. Southwest was the first to come out after this, saying, we're never going to overbook a flight again, mm-hmm. just, they, to get, yes. just to avoid yeah. even coming close to that. Scandal aside... What would cost them less? Is it not overbooking at all, or is it offering people ten thousand dollars? Like where? I'm just sort That's of interested to see like where does this all balance out? Yeah. Where are they going to end up saving money? Is it not canceling? Is it? I, I mean, my guess is that they will rarely have to go to ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars because what's going to happen? This is kind of genius, actually. Is people will sort of do a prisoner's dilemma thing? Mm-hmm. You're there in the lounge. Somebody is going to take it. And so people will start to do the mental calculation of like, do I hold out or do I take it? Do I hold out or do I take it? Takes and so a whole new it's like it does. It's like a game. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a reality show every time you board a flight. But if you know that it could get to ten thousand, where's the market value? That's like, but that's the prisoner's dilemma because the guy next to you may say, I am fine with five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Do you take the five hundred or do you let that guy take the five hundred and you get nothing? And I think that's going to be really interesting to see that play out of Mm -hmm. like these little scenarios inside the airports where people are trying to do the calculus of the person next to you being the competitor, the person next to you being the possible taker of your cash. Mm -hmm. And you also don't know how many seats they've overbooked. You don't know how many seats. So it could be one seat overbooked at a value of 200 or 15 seats overbooked at a value of 9,500. This, I feel like this is a game show waiting to happen. This is, like, this is a video opportunity. So Facebook like Live. Alex Trebek set up at the gate, just, you know. I have 23C for $500. <laughs> I think this also, we're not touching on something here, but we're, we're not really looking at the other side of the coin instead of looking at the airlines and their employees and their airports. It's what the experience is and the way the traveling public is acting these days. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. Please. Um, I mean, there are serious situations like, at, again, at Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, um, with the shooting in the baggage claim area. Oh, yeah. And they had to evacuate the entire airport. And that meant people on the tarmacs and being walked way out to the edge of the runway. Explain and what happened. A guy flew in from Columbia, Canada. Canada, with gun in his, checked on luggage, picked up his luggage, loaded his gun, and went point, shooting yeah. people. From Canada. With a gun. Right. And, and we get the bad rap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> then, Canadians are supposed to be so a nice. A month or two later, Kennedy, Barbara, I think I'm right on this, people thought they heard gunshots and there was chaos in one of the terminals. Um, yes, exactly. The people were cheering. Uh, what, a yeah, yeah, a sports game. There was, yeah, there was yeah. some sports game in the mm-hmm. bar. But, but there were stampedes, obviously not an airport, but Penn Station a couple of weeks ago where somebody was tasered by the police and everybody in Penn Station went bananas and trampled each other. Now, I find airports stressful enough, but I find the traveling public to be stressful, regardless of whether they're in leggings or not in leggings. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. I mean, this there's there was a time when flying was something that, that you, you respected. 
Decorum. There was a sense of decorum. Well, you also respected the fact that it was such a strange thing to do. Yeah. And that a lot of things had to come into play to get you from Chicago to Lexington. Um, and now it's become like a game of survival. And now it's like, this is my right, and I'm going to get it for nothing. And why do you overcharge me? It's just, there's no sense of... of but then the flip side is that more people can do it, though, right? And that's a good thing. More people can see more. More people can do more. I blame social media. <laughs> I, bl- I, bl- I blame social Actually, media. I mean, that's a good point. Everybody yeah. filming everything all the time. Well, is yeah. this making it seem like it's happening all the time? Yeah. We have seen recently, we did a podcast about air raids generally. So we have seen recently a number of incidents of passengers behaving badly passengers behaving violently toward one another and toward staff on airplanes. So I think, you know, I don't know empirically, we haven't really crunched numbers on this, but it does seem anecdotally as though tensions are high, mm-hmm. tempers are fraying, the social fabric, so mm-hmm. to speak, is in a bit of tatters. And we talked about this, I think, on that podcast, that this is a two-way street, which I think is the point you're making, Yeah, that airlines have a role in this because they do things like overbooking, which to passengers feels like they're being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. You know, I paid for this seat. What? Why do I have to even worry about it right now? And then also they're decreasing the space on planes so that the sizes of seats are decreasing. The complications of whether my luggage can get on or not, do I have, premium I have to pay for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Extra. do I have to pay yeah. for it? Is it too heavy? All of those things have gotten much more intricate in the last few years, and that increases tension, and there's a lot of science behind the mm-hmm. proximity of seats and the, the temperatures and things like that that contribute to the tempers. Even but, TSA regulations. I mean, think yeah. of you used to be able to bring whatever you wanted you know, you could bring the shampoo full size and now it's like you have to unload everything. You have to unpack your entire bag. And then even if you do that, someone's probably going to open it and run through it with their hands. You're uh, like, I'm going to go on the other side of that one again. <laughs> Every time I've been through security, those bins are full. Yeah. Like, who are these people who haven't heard this news in the past 17 years? <laughs> but even as someone who does, I mean, as a professional travel person you know I come I have my things in my clear bag I take out my laptop I do the whole thing I do everything right I take off my jewelry I take off my watch my phone's in the bin (laughs) and even then even if I have done everything as a model of efficiency like something goes wrong I get pulled aside I get an extra check they look at something on the x-ray they need to like unpack my entire bag and then hand it back to me it's exhausting and it's stressful what's the most ridiculous okay in the UK honey you would have thought not runny honey it's definitely a, a liquid. Honey. Definitely oh. a liquid. Cloudy honey. Is definitely a liquid. A liquid. It's a you gel. Know the solid Get it hot it's enough. Gel. It's a gel. It's a gel. It's a gel. Okay. For sure. Oh, oh, it's a lovely jar. Of honey. But I guess my question is, what do you do as the passenger, who's in the middle of all these changes, in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of like every day, some different airline has like a viral incident that has shown how fucked up customer service has become, or you know whatever else. What do you do as a passenger? I mean, like, I'm, I'm looking at that footage of those Spirit Airlines passengers literally out the door of the airport terminal because that's what they think they have to do. They have to get right back in line and wait to talk to a gate agent and be like, what are you going to do? And the gate agent is going to say, sorry, we can't put you on any other flights right no, now. No. They're all canceled. So what, what, what do you do? I'm, I mean, uh, be nice. <laughs> yeah, this is back to the Jaina thing. Be nice. Yeah. Be nice. But I, I mean, I'm curious, Andrea, you know, I'm obsessive about this too. Like I get pre-trip anxiety and my way of dealing with that anxiety is I have a little routine that I go through where I put everything in. What is your routine for at least in theory, 
getting maximum efficiency at the security pass-through. Mm. Okay. I'm so bad at this. It takes me so long. I'm extremely good at this. Same here. <laughs> okay, so all of your liquids and gels, obviously, in a clear plastic container, but to maximize the number of toiletries I can bring, I don't put anything that could be considered other than a liquid and gel in that same bag. So I have a toiletry bag for like various powders and implements. Solids, potions, solids, po- like you know, a makeup brush, a toothbrush. Your do you floss. bring? Do you bring small scissors or tweezers? Never. Never. Okay. I also have certain necklaces that have given me problems in the past that Belts. I now never pack. Even with jewelry, you have to be careful. Yeah, and I do it all. Watches, rings, belt buckles. I don't even put that stuff on. Yeah. Uh, until I'm on the plane, I have them all in a little bag when I leave home. And then once I'm through all that, then you put them. I back get on. dressed, basically. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. But that's how you, you have to do. Yeah, but so instead you have... of getting to the airport and having to take everything off, just don't put it on in the first place. Yeah, you have to have your TSA-proof liquids pouch. You have to have your non-liquids toiletry pouch. I now bring a powdered face wash every time, which you know saves me space in my little pouch. I put all my electronics in one pouch. Mm-hmm. I put my laptop at the top of my bag, usually in my personal items, so that I don't have to unzip my bag. But occasionally, it's so like your backpack or your tote. Like my tote, like exactly. Yeah. So, I, yeah. if at all possible, I put absolutely nothing in my roller bag so that I don't have to unzip it. Like it just goes through, and then everything that needs to be put into the bins is in my tote, in its own separate pouch, so that nothing is loose. And then usually it works. Okay. Usually I go through no problem. Once in a while, there's like a candle or something in my bag, and they think it's a gel. If you have a nice camera with you, occasionally they need to, like, hand search it. I had a weird one on the way to Japan recently. I had a pair of shoes packed, like, just Converse, campus, whatever, shoes, packed in uh, my carry-on. And for some reason that tripped somebody up, and I had to have the whole bag unpacked, mm-hmm. which is the worst It's the worst. Thing. Because I think they sort of they sort of pretend like they're being really careful. Like they give you this face, like, oh please, like I'm gonna make this, it's gonna be no problem for you. I'm gonna repack everything, it's gonna be easy. But I feel like every time it's like they go in there, they ruffle everything, and they hand you the suitcase back, and they're like, Okay, now you figure it out. Yeah. And you're like, you have no idea how long that took to pack. (laughs) Exactly. Everything was perfect until you like screwed everything up. So I hate that. As someone who is eighty percent of the time taken to the random search line. Yes. We yes. (laughs) Boo hoo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Preach it. Yeah. Tell it. I mean, it's, it happens every time. I'm a person of Indian-Colombian heritage, which to a TSA agent looks, to a certain TSA agent, looks like random security line. It's just, you know, it's the extra 20 minutes I tack on to when God, I get to the airport. I mean, 20 minutes? Yeah, at least, yeah. Because oh they God. do that every single time. They you take apart my bags. And, TSA that, and that's my bad. So tip number that's one, your bad. do it. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing that for my first time tomorrow. TSA pre. TSA pre-check. Don't take uh, anything off. You don't have to take anything off. You're pre-vetted by the TSA. Fingerprints, photos. So, Seb, this seems like a... Like, we need to all chip in. I know. We should all just take up an <laughs> office collection and buy you TSA pre-check and global entries. You should be able to expense that. Yes, you totally should. <laughs> <laughs> would it change your I situation? Think so. Pre-check, at least. Because yeah. you've gone through... I, I think global entry would be more important because it's really, it's immigration a lot of the times where right. things get dicey. Right. Right. 
whenever you talk about this, you have such equanimity about it, right? I'm sure internally maybe there's a seething pool of rage. But to me, it just seems like such an injustice. But it's been happening since I was traveling, since I've been traveling alone as an adult. Like when I was a family, it's different. But ever since, you know, basically when I turned 16 or 17 and started going on trips by myself, that's when it started, and it, so it's been, you know, so over just 10 like years. you just, like, cost of doing business. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, it sucks. I get mad about it, but whatever. Do you pad your airport arrival time accordingly? Yeah, I'll get there God, uh, I, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Other places I won't worry about it, right. but in the U.S. I'll, I'll worry about it. Wow. So security lines, you know, talking again about the fault points, where does it break down? Where do you have... Where where are you brought to tears? Where are you brought to your knees by this process? So security lines are clearly one of those. I have insane anxiety about security lines, I, I, especially at places like JFK, LaGuardia, other sort of big, dense airports around the country. I mean, I think another one where it happens the most is when there's something that happens to your flight that's completely out of your control and out of the airline's control even too. So if it's a blizzard, if it's a volcanic eruption in Iceland, remember that <laughs> the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, things like that where it's like, sorry, you can't get on this plane, this plane's not going anywhere. And then you ask the customer service agent, okay, what do I do? And they're like, yeah, that's we don't know. Because we don't, we have no other that. planes coming out, you know? <laughs> um, so what, that, that's, that's you those don't, are the points where I've just been like, there's two doors and they're both locked. Yeah. You know, what the hell do I do? Don't ask somebody, first of all, and do not get on the phone with the airline. You, that's all you'll do for the rest of your life. What you should do if you're in an airport and your flight's not leaving, it's delayed, you're not sure what the status, you know, weather's weird, connections are strange. Flightaware.com, and it's also an app, is light years better than any other flight tracker because it has the actual takeoff, allotted takeoff, and landing times for these aircraft. For an individual flight number? For an individual flight number. Wow. And it's updated. It's updated every 30 seconds. So, and they know, FlightAware knows it before the airline knows it. So if you're on Delta How app, are they doing Because they're, they're the ground-based control. They're controlling the, all traffic around the world. And they, they know when flights are actually allowed to roll down the runway sure. or even push back and taxi to roll down the runway. So many times I've sat there and the flight has said, delayed until 2 o'clock, and I look at FlightAware and it says 3.15. <laughs> or it says delayed until 3.15, and I look at FlightAware and it says canceled. Wow. Oh, wow. There's, there's a good half-hour window there when FlightAware has it before anyone else does. That is a massive Very, very tip. helpful. Yeah, yeah that's FlightAware. really good. The app or that, the website. That just gives you, like, an extra 30 minutes that, on everyone else who's going to be in the same That gives position. you 30 minutes to get to the car rental agency, which I right. did in Atlanta and drove back to New York. <laughs> wasn't, I wasn't going to stay there another day longer. And it was a long drive. But, but you got I just it. knew that. They, and, when, and everyone else I was hearing in line were being told things like, well, we can get you out in six days. Right. Mark, Mark, has a, Mark has a tip for this, which I'm curious if you buy into, which is go to the lounge, pay the lounge fee Absolutely. to get in, yep. and then work with people in the lounge. Yes, they have dedicated people in the lounge. And the line is a couple of people, not a hundred. You're basically exactly. paying a premium of like fifty bucks. Or you something. pay fifty bucks to get or whatever. Better it is. Broadway seats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> to get into the lounge, and then yeah. the so you heard it here, a podcast listeners. Really, the way don't go stand in any old line or try and phone up the eight hundred number. Yeah. And if you are going to do that, which I have done, it's multimedia time. You know, so you're waiting in line to talk to a human being. You're on the phone on hold with get the airline, Twitter. and you're also on your phone 
tweeting at the airline <laughs> and <laughs> on their website trying to do an auto like an automatic rebooking yeah. At, yeah. all at the same time. You need to have Android so you can have multiple windows open <laughs> on your phone at the same time. No. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, Barbara, it's, it's, go ahead. No, well, no, unfortunately, though, you may end up, I mean, if you really have to be somewhere, then you may just have to go on another airline, which means, you know, you'll get a read from, from the original one that's stranding you. I did that one time when I was at Kennedy Airport when it was just like, you know, it was one of these crazy things. And now that we're heading into summer, this is going to start happening. It's this the, the thunderstorm, which is actually worse than a blizzard mm -hmm. because often it happens with little notice. And it completely shut down the airport. I mean, it was it was insane. I went from one terminal to the other. You know, I was canceled on American. Then I went to JetBlue, got on one of their flights, about to board. Then they canceled. Oh I God. ended up at Virgin America. They had two seats left and they somehow got out that mm. night. I don't know how, but I literally had to go shopping, shopping by terminal. You know, all of the things that you said to do are all really great. I mean, all of those, but you're right. You have to kind of do them, you know, this be this insane multitasker. <laughs> so yeah. So I was on Expedia. I was on kayak. I was on, you know, I mean, fortunately I was at an airport where there were a lot of different options. And, you know, strangely, even when the airport feels like it's closed, there's sometimes flights getting out. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, um, again, but, FlightAware has a great uh, live map. If you click on the airport name, it'll show you the, the radar map. And I'm starting to right. get the feeling Total that you just look here. at this app for <laughs> no, no, fun. When, when, <laughs> those, Barbara, when those uh, summer thunderstorms roll, roll into New York, you know, up um, coming through uh, New England and Long Island, I log on to FlightAware and watch as all these flights from Europe, because it's usually the, the early mid-afternoon here in the summer. All these flights, incoming flights from Europe, dozens and dozens and dozens, are doing U-turns over Long Island wow. and oh going God. to Hartford or Providence sometimes or Boston. It's fascinating. And then if it's a really Friday bad night storm, with David Jeffries, hey, if it's we're going to turn really that into storm, a podcast. The, You're just going to sit here in front of the mic and <laughs> live read. commentary. Yes. It's, it's like it's like, um, it's like Pac-Man, or you know, it's like it's like a little video game. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, here goes SQ three four but seven. Barbara's right. Sometimes you see these sneaky little planes going out, and somehow for some reason they get the clearance. Is that like the rich people? Could be. Um, just it, all out of Teterboro. <laughs> all out of Teterboro, exactly. Um, a lot of times if it's a super long-haul flight, they'll grant landing in difficult situations because yeah. they're running out of gas. Yeah. Um, and sometimes oh, the, the reverse. They'll, I've run out of gas yeah. three times yeah. coming from Europe and there's dinky 757s that United flies. We had to stop and, and you know. At least you didn't get beat up. <laughs> I'm just saying, it you can happen. Yeah, you're gonna have a bloody nose and it's, teeth. Anyway, to go have fun on flight during, <laughs> during um, a thunderstorm. Another pro tip: I just wanted to say, after a scarring experience I had two years, three Christmases ago, was when, and you guys are all gonna laugh at me. You're gonna be like, seriously? And now you work for a travel publication, like it's amateur hour? What is this bullshit? But I showed up at the airport to get on a plane, going to Ecuador. This was two days before Christmas. I was going to Ecuador to visit family for Christmas. I hand over my passport, and the gate agent is like, you can't get on this plane. Your passport expires in five months and 15 days, and Ecuador won't let you in if it's mm -hmm. less than six months. This is an important one. This is an important one. To remind people. This was probably the last time I cried at an airport three years ago. Parents calling me being like, what the hell do you mean you're not on a plane? And then me telling them what happened and them saying, what the hell do you mean you didn't know that was a thing? You know, so Who raised you? Who raised you? But there is hope in that. And this is where it turns into, you know, tips. You can, you can get your passport renewed in a single day. 
So mm -hmm. I booked. Did you pay like one million dollars? No, no, no. And, I, and we published it in the April issue. Um, there's a company right around the corner from here in downtown Manhattan that'll do it. Which is close to which airport? None. So it's, uh, there's, <laughs> one, there's, there's a New York passport agency in Soho that you can go to. There's companies that do expedited mm -hmm. this is one for one, you, yeah. but you don't need them because what they basically do is they take your money and they do exactly what you're about to go do, Wait, which is what? if you have the luxury of like an extra day, basically, if you have one day to get your passport and then you're leaving the next day, which I did, I gave myself two days. I booked a flight two days later. It was the worst three days of my life, but here's what I did. So <laughs> I went, I got photos taken that day. Then the next morning, this was after I woke up at 4 in the morning to catch this flight to Quito that I didn't get on. The next morning, I woke up at 3 in the morning and went to the Soho New York Passport Office, which opens at 7.30, and there was already a line around the block. <gasps> and you wait outside in that line, which is what I did. All people just as desperate and unhappy it was, as you. It was all around Christmas. It was all people who yeah. did the same, did yeah. something with their passport, and they're all as screwed as I was. I brought a blanket with me and a coffee, and I sat out there for four hours until it opened. Because um, they say on the website, on the passport agency office, you have to like really dig deep before you find that they do accept walk-ins, mm -hmm. but they do accept walk-ins. You just have to be like one of the first hundred people who walk into that door. Oh, God. I sat there with a book, and four hours later, they called my number, and I walked away with my new passport, and it was the normal passport fee, which is like 100, 110 bucks or something. they give it to you right there? Yeah, so they take mm -hmm. your passport, you wait for a few hours, they call your number, you come up, and they give it back to you, and it's they've got well, Soho's it's a new fun. passport. That's not so bad. Um, <laughs> and it's like a hundred bucks, hundred and ten bucks, which is the regular passport plus a sixty dollar expedited processing fee. But you have to have like an emergency to do that, or you can just walk. You have to in show them that. proof that, like, yeah, I showed them a ticket. flight that I was. I showed them my reservation for a flight yep. that I was leaving. That had already happened. Day. And a lot of people <laughs> suggested if you okay. want to do this and try and cheat the system, then book a flight and cancel it. Yeah, you can do I that too. made that mistake and didn't book a fully refundable flight. Oh my God. David. So there you go. Touche. David. Um, <laughs> multiple tips in one. Well, many years ago. It's how much is the expeditor charging? Not and that what's much. the cheapest international flight that you can find? Right. And if. The two match up, then you're then you're fine. Yeah, you're good to go. I'm still confused by the fact that this. What, what about the woman who who was meant to fly from Newark to Paris and yet ended up in San Francisco? Oh, that happened. So again, here's another uh, collision of. Yeah, how did they make that mistake? Oh. I mean, that that's scary for security reasons because yes. they're scanning pass boarding they, passes they, when they yeah, come yeah, in and pass the plane. Right. So theoretically, you've got this ironclad process mm. where your identity gets checked, your boarding pass gets checked. We've verified who you are. We've verified the flight you're supposed to be on, the seat you're supposed to be in. And somehow this woman... Well, no, then you have a passenger who doesn't speak English and isn't reading any signs. <laughs> well, I mean, but, yeah, I, but look, I mean, she hands a, she hands a slip of yeah, paper that yes. has every relevant detail on it yeah. to the gate agent. The gate agent and says, the enjoy your flight. But aren't they and the scanning it? Like, yes. Shouldn't the com like, computer go? Beep, first beep, 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 of all, beep. even if there were no computers involved, okay, if you're looking at a piece worse. of paper that says SFO and CDG, right, CDG. those exactly. things are a little different. Exactly. Okay, so she, her boarding pass was marked Newark to Charles de Gaulle, yeah. as it would be as someone trying to get to Paris. Um, from, from Newark? They, <laughs> they scanned her pass at the gate. She walked in. She went to her seat, 22 Somebody C. was sitting in the seat. Somebody was sitting in the seat. A flight attendant came allegedly checked her boarding pass and seated <gasps> her yeah. elsewhere. Ah, the um, flight number has to be wrong on, in this instance, right? Was like the, the flight also overbooked? No, because they just look really straight at the... Uh, well, especially if, if you're the flight attendant already on the plane, the gate agent 
Yeah, you're not done. looking at the they, airport they, code. They got her in, so they're just sure, looking at the... Sure, but the scan... Why does the scanning not catch that? Yeah, that's... That Actually, is, this happened to my grandmother in the 70s, coming to visit us in London. But that was and the 70s. That was the 70s. <laughs> they were using but I'm just like a, it's a funny story. A, an abacus okay. to figure out who was on the plane. Grandmother, coming to visit her daughter and her grandchildren in London for Christmas, got on a flight at Kennedy to Rio. And just before they shut the doors, when she heard the pilot announce, you know, it'll be a nine-hour flight to... Weather Rio. in Rio is 80 right. degrees. And of course, Grandma finally she gets said, to London. Score! And, no, yeah, no, she said, I would have gone, but I didn't pack my bikini. <laughs> they sell those in Rio. It didn't phase her. She They're wouldn't cry. They're smaller than the ones you get in New York, but they do sell them. Sungas. Yeah. Wait, Andrea, you had a cry story, right? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. You want the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Start to finish? Oh, yeah. Okay. How bad is it? Oh, it's terrible. Okay, we want it all. <laughs> okay, so. Two years ago, about, I went on a an Italian vacation by myself that I was supposed to take with a boyfriend that I broke up with a week before the trip. Oh, it already starts good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It really. <laughs> that's not even the that's not even the sad part. I feel like this is a movie. <laughs> so, I took the trip by myself. I disinvited him, which meant that not only did I have an empty seat next to me on the way over, but you know I had a, I had a ball anyway. So the trip was great. By myself, Italy fabulous. Uh, on the way back, however, a week later, I was flying back to New York from Rome and about two hours from New York, I want to say, before landing, uh, the captain comes on and announces that one of our backup generators has failed. So, you know, we're still running. There's nothing, we're not in any dire danger. Nothing is about to happen. But according to safety regulations, we had to ground the plane. But we were technically closer to Iceland than we were to New York. So we had to land in Iceland, which I thought was maybe going to take an hour, maybe three, maybe, you know, we'd land and they'd fix the engine and we'd be back on our way. But um, we land in Iceland and I, you know, we're sitting there for a while. <laughs> Two weeks later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two weeks later. You have an Icelandic boyfriend. Yeah. So we landed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and now I'm actually calling in from, from Reykjavik <laughs> to my new husband. Uh, no, but we ended up landing in Iceland. And I know at the time, like we're sitting there, I'm like, oh, it's fine. We're almost home. It's going to take maybe two hours. I was so, so wrong. So we landed, sat on the plane for about three hours. Oof. Eventually, I guess the crew's timing ran out. We deplaned, and this is probably, I don't know how many people were on a, maybe 250 people on this plane at the Keflavik International Airport on a Saturday in August. Uh, Keflavik. Keflavik. Yes. The name of the little town. That's near. The, the name of the, the airport. So we landed, we're deplaned, hung out in the airport for a while, sort of thinking that they were going to have another plane to take us that night, uh, but they didn't. So... We ended up all kind of standing around the airport. There were no Delta representatives at this airport. There were also no no one at the airport who seemed to know what was happening. And they eventually told us that they were going to be spending the night in Iceland. So, of course, I They didn't am, put you up at that Hilton. They put us right up... Right at the airport. No, they yeah. put us up in, like, the city itself. So, which is a 45-minute drive away. Which is a 45-minute drive. So, well, it was August, so it was light out at night. It was light out. But it was also like Those lava no, fields all, are scary. You know so many things. It's one of the like, scariest drives in from any airport. It's very strange. There are no it's trees. Totally moonish. 
It's like there's just like sort of. You think you've made a big mistake? You think you've made a mistake? It's not like you're getting a sweet coffee in Reykjavik. No, and this is also like you know people go to Iceland and go on these amazing trips that you see on Instagram, and you're like you know off in the hills and hiking and doing the Blue Lagoon. It was like I'm alone with a dead phone, Mm -hmm. a suitcase full of Tuscan vacation clothes. (laughs) And, like, desperate to get back to New York for my brother's engagement party, which I was very, very afraid I was going to miss. So we were bussed out to Reykjavik and sort of, like, vaguely organized into different hotels. So they had, like, separated the plane onto different hotels that we were all going to stay in in Reykjavik. I ended up wandering around town trying to find somewhere to eat because the hotel that we arrived at had no idea that we were even arriving mm. eventually gave us a room with you know f- you know a clean bed and a shower which was fine uh and ended up spending the night and the thing that they did which maybe flight aware would have saved me in this case was i ended up spending 24 hours in iceland in the end throughout this entire process the plane was delayed one or two hours at a time yep so Tiny it, was ne- it was never like you're. You never you're got that relief out. of okay tomorrow. Yeah, no, it was never like you're flying out tomorrow. You're flying yeah. out tomorrow morning. It was oh, always you get like the dreaded, you know, be up in the lobby at five thirty a.m. for the bus to go back to the airport. Yes, but I ended up taking a cab because I didn't trust anyone at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up like calling a. I think I took an Uber actually. I think I managed to pull up Uber on my phone via the hotel Wi-Fi. Booked myself an Uber because I didn't trust the bus. And ended up back at the airport, you know, eight hours before we actually ended up taking off because the original arrival time was this. But um, there was a lot of crying on the phone to my parents. <laughs> uh, a lot of, you know, that there there was no violence at the airport, but there was a lot of, like, shouting and a lot mm-hmm. of, like, people that decided that they were, like, leading the charge and representing the passenger cause with the Delta representatives <coughs> who were, like, you know, these local Icelandic people that had no idea what was going on and wanted nothing to do with this. Were there uh, shouts of, I don't want to speak Icelandic. <laughs> no, they all, the funny thing was like, I would very like politely ask people like, I'm sorry, do, do you speak English? And they'd be like, of course we speak English. Like, yeah. Like, do you realize how screwed I'd be if I only spoke Icelandic? <laughs> I was like, okay, so Ooh. sorry. Did they offer you anything or did you get anything uh, so, uh, compensation-wise or otherwise? Yeah, so it actually ends happily. Uh, eventually after we finally... She got a great story, Barbara. I got a great... <laughs> in, you know, so we ended up finally as we're reboarding, you know, I was standing behind this 10-year-old girl who I looks up to her mother and goes... Why couldn't it have been the Bahamas? <laughs> so it's a good one. Longer. Yeah, I was like, for a ten-year-old girl, not not bad. So we eventually reboarded the plane, flew back to New York. I made the engagement party, and not only did they refund the cost of the flight, they gave me sort of an unlimited Delta voucher for any international flight anywhere in the world that Delta flies. That's pretty good. As long as it year. went through. Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was anywhere. So I ended up, so I go to Italy every year to visit my family. I ended up booking that same mm-hmm. flight the next year for free. You're brave. Yeah. And I still love Delta, by the way, <laughs> somehow, even after all of that. Uh, I'm just going to, that's ass- great. I'm just going to assume that Barbara Peterson has never cried at an airport because of a flight issue because. You're our senior aviation correspondent. And you'd just be like, let me talk to that pilot. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that's it. Yeah, you're really putting me in a tough position there. <laughs> no, of course I have. Come on. I mean, you know, oh my gosh. I, I just, you know, and, and you know, one thing I will say is that if you're, tr if you're flying by yourself, you know, I can sort of usually, you know, strategize my way out of a lot of situations. And one of my techniques, one of my strategies, I know it sounds really obvious, is I really do look for somebody I think will be somewhat friendly and mm -hmm. human, and I cultivate that. I really yeah. lay on the charm of it. So I've gotten onto flights that were supposedly oversold in a, in a chaotic situation where a lot of things are going, because I just really, really just was super nice and said, oh gosh, I know how hard you guys work and it's such a hard job. I mean, it's, it's, believe me, it goes a long way. Some people I know think you ought to tip flight attendants and gate agents, but no, but what, you know, when you're traveling with a family, when you're traveling with kids, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, there was one time when for a long, a lot of boring reasons I won't go into now, we almost missed a flight. My daughter was out by the curb, still trying to check in a bag, you know, and and, the, and they were about to close the door to the plane. And I literally stood in the door, and which is, I don't recommend that as a strategy. And I was crying and the guy was mad at me and he was going to push me and he said, you know, he actually put out his hands as if he was going to like arrest me or something. And, and you know, I, I, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I don't have to tell you that I spent some time in, you know, behind bars because of an air rage thing, because I came that <laughs> close. I really did. You know, I, it just, and afterwards, I, you know, I, I said to people, I couldn't believe how transformed I was by that, that situation into this crazy person. That's what, mm. it, that's what these situations will do to you. You it's know, and, like the Lord of the Flies effect. It really mm. is. You're just like, <laughs> but I, I, yeah. agree, I agree with you, Barbara, because for myself, I was trying to think of episodes in which I had wept or otherwise, you know, had a meltdown at an airport. And I think the line for me breaks between when I was a solo traveler versus when I have my family with me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think that my sense of anxiety, because I'm the type of person where if the flight gets canceled or delayed or some other mishap occurs and I'm by myself, I'll open a book. I'll open my phone, my iPad, whatever, and I'll just sort of hunker down and deal with it and wait it out. And I'm fine. Like at some level, I'm going on vacation in order to basically disconnect and, and kind of read and find peace anyway. I can do it in the airport or I can do it on the beach, whatever. One is clearly better than the other, but they're still both valid. But with my family, I feel all this pressure to make something happen, to get to the fun really quickly and... Those are the occasions in which you also have other people who have tempers, who have, you know, their patience runs out. And my son will start to literally just sort of run around the airport and break things. And we had I do that too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had a situation coming back from Tokyo where we flew through Minneapolis and we had to go through customs because it was the first place we came in. And then we had to go through security again, which made no sense to me at all. Uh, because we never left like the protected zone of the airport, but that's how it works. And there were huge lines everywhere, lines going through customs uh, or rather immigration. There were lines going through security again. And, you know, there were meltdowns all over the place, you know, not just my kid, but other people as well. And tempers are kind of hitting the edge. And that's when I feel the anxiety. It's less about myself than about the other people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> no, it's just, it's so hard when you really feel like you have no 
nothing you can do. You feel powerless. You feel just totally defeated by it. Um, I, I, I do think, yeah, it, it, you can, anybody can turn into a raving lunatic <laughs> in, in today's airports. And I, and I, I you know, and it's going to get worse. You know, I was looking into this, this basic economy fair, you oh, know, that oh my God. the airlines, um, and what you don't get, which is, you know, just about everything, everything. You, know, you, 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 you don't even really get a seat. They won't give you a seat assignment until you get to the gate. So, um, and you know what they say, actually, in, on their, if you can find it on the website, they say, families traveling together, will not, we will not guarantee that you will be seated together. So, in other words, if you're traveling basic economy fares, and like, come on, who's going to want to travel the cheapest? It's a family of four or five. Yeah, you want, you want the cheapest tickets right. because you've got four or five of you. And they're saying, nope, we won't make any promises. We will not seat you together. Uh, in fact, there's a good chance you will be split up all over the plane. Sorry, uh, four-year-old. Uh, sorry, four-year-old son. Go, go sit in the back. I'll see you. I'll see you in six, six hours. Don't make polite conversation. <laughs> with oh, your that's seatmate. great for the neighbors. <laughs> totally. of the four-year-old up there. That's yeah, terrific. so I, I just, I, I fear for the future with this thing. I really do think, I think we're still heading, you know, south on, on, in terms of, you know, the, the relationship between the airline. And the God, that's a dark note to bring this. <laughs> I feel but like it, a, it's real, though. It's like if you think you're crying now at an airport, Jesus. Uh, BC, and I also do the crying in a different, slightly different way. Yeah. Which is I've been twice upgraded by at check-in saying how much I was going to miss leaving this place I'd just been to mm -hmm. in the language that of the country I was in. <laughs> in broken said. language. Well, oh, I was with working at it. With moistness. Yeah, with a slight glassy-eyed like moistness. Charmer. Through the... It works. Wow. I mean, it's, 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 it's a little bit per perverted from Barbara's <laughs> original just be nice. <laughs> this is like be nice and manipulative. <laughs> but um, there is something to be said with being the one person. If you think of... You're looking at chaos. Imagine what the people behind the counter are looking at. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's Night of the Living Dead of people <laughs> like walking towards you, zombies walking, all ready to eat your flesh. So if they can pick out one person who You might... stab them in the skull. That's how you... Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, For the novices out there. I mean, okay. it's, very, it's like basically very advanced flattery yes. is what you're going yeah. for. But it, no, it makes sense, yeah. though, because if yeah, if they're seeing it's the just... same thing over and over again, then finally one person makes them laugh or makes them like... Yeah. Have yeah. a second exactly. to just be like... Or hits them in, like, apparently in the Southwest, like... Are you still talking about walking back? I was saying it works. No, no. Oh, it the, works. the spirit, the fight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think between anger and tears, mm -hmm. tears will get you further every single time. I think that's the moral of the story, right? So if you have to cry, <laughs> do, do it in front of a gate agent, a kindly gate agent, and do it and do with it a, with a little with, bit of a smile and, and a, a little, little bit of a smile, polylingually. Yeah. yeah. Po very helpful. Very helpful. Speak yeah. all the languages. That, you know, this, they're probably Duolingo at the end of a long is shift. your friend. <laughs> and flight, so is FlightAware. FlightAware. <laughs> flight <-aware. laughs> Two must downloads. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> that one too. That will help you. Thanks to all of you guys for being here and telling your sob stories, your intense, deep sob stories. I'm sure all of our listeners can relate. Everybody's been through this. Subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. We are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and the Snapchat. And please do tweet at us. Send us feedback. Uh, 
review us on iTunes. We do read that stuff. We do take it into account. Uh, we do try to do better when you give us suggestions. Andrea, where can people reach you? On the social media or any other place? Oh, on the social media. Um, I have a very punny handle. It's a whittle bit. Um, so you can find me there. I like that. Yeah. Is that Twitter, Instagram? It's everything. All, all of the above? All of the above. I love the people who have all of the above. You have Barbara, to just keep your branding consistent. Keep your brand consistent. <laughs> <laughs> Tip number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara, where can the people reach you? Okay, on Twitter at Peterson B. Peterson B, all one, no spaces, yeah. underscores, whatever. Right. Okay. David? At the airport tomorrow morning. I love <laughs> your answers to this. We're going to have you on more often just so you can say. Let's give a different answer every time. Send me a pigeon. <laughs> it's with a, a game of thrones. With a pencil. Send me a, send me a raven. You'll, be, you'll, you'll, catch, you'll catch David speaking Swahili to the gate agent in Nairobi <laughs> telling him how much he loved Nairobi. <laughs> He's so sad to Dressed well. He really well. like to sit behind the bulkhead. Yeah. Dressing well is no lower. underrated at the airport, I think. Yeah, dressing well is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Seb? Uh, you can catch me in the random security line. Uh, <laughs> in the green room. I'm at Seb Modek on all the things. And I'm at Brad Rick. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.